Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. I'm back. People are, are you nuts? You came back from holidays on a Friday. Are you stupid? Yes, I am stupid. I couldn't stay away. I could not stay away. I missed Zinger. I tried to call in, but you never answered the damn phone. Call in long distance. You never answer the phone. It's embarrassing. You didn't call me once, man. I called. It rang 936-6262, and you didn't answer. What? This is a new show. What kind of story is that? When the phone rings, you answer it. It's not like previous hosts when they were too lazy to answer phone calls or too into themselves. Okay. Imagine. Hey, imagine. Imagine that barely watched YouTube sports show from about three months ago. The dude and his... The dude and his... And his... Hockey expert said that Connor Bedard was underwhelming. I remember. And now, that. same guy, same show, wants the Pats to retire his jersey. So, which is it? Is it he's the greatest or he's not very good? Like, embarrassing. Embarrassing. Quit trying to ride the coattails of a 17 year old kid. You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> Welcome back, Michael Ball. I know. I by see the way, you across the board. By the way, the XFL sucks. <laughs> It absolutely sucks. It might not make two years. No, it won't make two years. I've been going back and forth on this. Yes, I love the booth challenge and the way we can get interactive with Dean Blandino there. I loved it. It was in the in the spring, the AAF. Yeah, it's been it used right. before. I like that. The yeah. CFL should invest in that with TSN. Although TSN has a problem even trying to find a dot to put on the screen for timeouts so i doubt they'll do that but that's what the cfl needs to do i didn't mind the interaction on the sidelines in the middle of the game not too, on a too much no 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 no, no. Hold, hold on hold right. on hold on right. not on the touchdown not on the touchdown uh like he's trying to interview him in, in the middle of his celebration that's stupid but i don't mind on the sidelines where you say hey hey uh, sean what'd you think of that touchdown pass yeah i was because can west does it the Can West does it during football, so I don't mind them doing that. I don't the like CF- it. CFL should look at doing that. And I like the golden challenge where you could challenge everything. One challenge, you get to challenge everything. I like that. Otherwise, it's pathetic football. <laughs> it's not going to last. There was a game last night, by the way. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, a whopping 10,000. 10,000 peeps. Wow. What Bring is it? the Lu- noise. Lumen Field, Bring baby. The noise. Come on, the Battle Hawks yeah. are 2 0. Give, give me Turn a. Turn up. Give me a break. Like, <laughs> listen. AJ McCarron, yo. The Rock is a huge, huge entity. Okay? Absolutely. Biggest movie star going right now. But what All made, of his movies suck. But, but what made... No, I don't mind his movies. What made The Rock think 
that if Vince McMahon couldn't make it work with Dick Ebersol, who's forgot more about producing TV shows and things like that, sports, if those two couldn't make it work, not once but twice, how is he how is he gonna make it it's work? Because he has the people's elbow, baby. Yeah, it's done. That Come thing on. is done. That thing is done. And save me on the whole this is a big blow to the CFL. McLeod Bethel Thompson leaving. He was never it's, coming it's here. It's a huge, it's a huge blow. Listen, it was either retire or play in the U.S. for one more year. He won a great cup here. He kind of silenced the doubters, even though he didn't really finish it off. Chad Kelly did. Um, so so he was never going to play in the CFL. It was retire or go to the, to the U.S. because he wants to be closer to his wife, who has a great job in Atlanta. So New Orleans, the New Orleans, what is it, Breakers? Yeah, but they're not even playing in New Orleans. They're going to be playing in Birmingham, Alabama, which is two hours oh, right. two hours right. beside Atlanta. Wow. Right? So, crazy. Yeah. crazy. Crazy. So anyway, yeah, because the USFL, <laughs> they do the, hub. the USFL doesn't give a crap about, they just, Fans. it's for TV. It's Why for do they TV. even call the teams by city names and stuff? Just if, say the blue team, the red team, the, yeah, yeah it's embarrassing. Like uh, one team, the Savages, the other team, so you know. So save me that whole narrative. People are all doomed. Wednesday, you know, whew, the CFL, you better be worried. I'm not worried. The CFL is the oldest professional football league going. Okay, it's going to be around because of what, Zinger? It's uniqueness. Three downs, motion, all that stuff. We've been doing stuff the NFL's doing now for years up here. We just need to do a better job of promoting it. Speaking of promotion, we'll hear from Victor Quee of the Edmonton Elks in a little bit. Uh, Farhan Lalji to talk about the Dane Evans trade. Uh, that's an interesting one. Here's one. C.J. Beathard has signed with the Jacksonville Jags. So before he goes to free agency, he is coming to camp as the uh, as a quarterback competition for Nathan Rourke. Now, um, I've been doing a little digging here. Nathan Rourke apparently didn't get... The only team he got an offer from was the Jags, so I'm told. Okay? And I'm told... I'm not going to get into it, but it's not as lucrative as you think. Now, if he can hang around in the in the practice roster area or on the roster, he'll make good money. But it, it isn't a huge signing bonus to go with the Jags. Now, I will say this. Nathan Rourke with the Jacksonville Jags is going to have the best shot he will with that organization, with Henry Burris, with Mike uh, McCoy, the former Calgary Stampeder quarterback, NFL coach, the Chargers and such. And Doug Peterson seems to be a pretty good dude from all accounts. Um, I talked to Coach Dick, and he said he knows Peterson. Seems like a good dude. Um, so that'll be the best organization for Rourke. But who's kidding who? Nathan Rourke is going to get screwed. He's going to get screwed. Well, Don't you agree? Probably. He's going to get screwed. He will be back in this. And I love the kid. I want talent wise, he should make it. He's better than a third of the junk playing quarterback in the NFL. But. But come on, he's going to get screwed, and he'll be back in the CFL by September. So I think if he gets a fair shot in the preseason games, there's no way that he can get screwed because his talent level is way better than that C.J. Bethard or whatever the hell you pronounce his last name. That guy sucks. Yeah, he. So if Rourke gets even a minimal shot, yeah, man. Yeah, I say he's going to get screwed. He'll be back here. But interesting, though, Dane Evans and Vernon Adams Jr., that's more like a... 2A and a 2B, no disrespect to those guys, but I mean, what does that say when you take a contract 
that is so low just to kind of prove yourself and be third on the depth chart for Dane Evans. How come how come everyone is just giving Vernon Adams Jr. the starting job? Like mm. has VA taken a team to a great cup? Dane Evans has. He didn't win it. I know. So like why is Dane I Evans don't know. like so I don't know. I, I don't know. That don't make sense. No, to Vernon me. Adams hasn't exactly lit the world on fire. Okay, and lastly, before we go to break here, I know there's curling going on, Saskatchewan. There was no curling where I was. Saskatchewan uh, didn't do anything, so I don't think anybody cares around here. So curling's done as far as the Scotties. Good luck to the team still there. What is it? Nova Scotia, BC, Quebec, Alberta. Manitoba. Whatever, yeah, whatever Manitoba. Hard, 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 whatever. <laughs> I like curling, but nobody cares when Saskatchewan's out around here. Or am I wrong? 936-6262. Um, but I do want to bring this up. Am I the only one that brings... Like, listen, they're not the only team, I think, fudging some numbers in the CFL. But how were the Winnipeg Blue Bombers able to retain everybody? The only player they lost, Zinger, to my knowledge, Couture went to BC, okay? And they lost... Greg Ellingson, who went to Montreal, you had him on the show. Good job when I was away, by the way, lining things up, Kenny McGuire. But, (laughs) wait a minute. You lost Ellingson, but got a guy more expensive than Kenny Lawler. How in the bloody hell is it? (laughs) I will tell you this. My sources tell me the Riders were in on Rasheed Bailey to the point of about 160 grand, I'm told. And... The word on the street is he settled in Winnipeg for between 90 and 100. Are you going to tell me a CFL player, cash flow low, is staying in Winnipeg for 60 to 65 grand less in hard money? Are you serious about that? So what he's we, got a stupid agent then, or so he's just dumb. What are we, uh, do we sniff a rat? Do we smell something like a couple dollar bills under the table well, or I something? Just, and listen, they're not uh, the only team, but come on. Yeah, there's smell something. something. Give me a break. Smell ballsy. Oh, I like Mike O'Shea so much. Oh, the same Mike O'Shea that told Kyle Borson to go swing by the curb. Your stuff's on the curb. He left real, his bags on Portage. Yeah, real, Can you believe yeah, that? Real cor- Yeah, and I left your underwear in Brandon. <laughs> real culture guy. Anyway, 936-6262. What are you thinking about what's going on in the world of sports? Uh, some of the takes here. We'd like you to weigh in. You can call that number or text it. Our text line powered by Capital. Ford Lincoln. By the, way, smell it. by the way, poolside, I was going down some rabbit holes. This is Dana Carvey with one of the best Biden impersonations I've ever heard. This is hilarious. Kind of initiatives of my father. Lost his job. Yeah, that's it. No joke. No joke. No one thinks it's a joke. Not yeah. getting around here. Come on. Like the founding flaws is proclamated in the Declaration of Impedance. The people, all men are secreted equally. Excuse me, secreted. Pardon me, secret pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And this Friday on the Sports Cage, brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. We're talking to the outstanding assistant coach of the Pets, Ken Schneider. Uh, Ken, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, there was a lot of talk leading up to the trade deadline with the Pats uh, move Bedard. John said all along, no, we're not moving him. It's now, it's we're in rock star mode here now. It's like a, a, a rock uh, show going from town to town or, you know, we're in a country station here. So Garth Brooks going from town to town. What's it like for the boys to play in front of sold out barns the rest of the way? 
Yeah, I, it's it's an incredible feeling, even for the coaching staff to you know walk into all these buildings and you know you can feel the hum and the excitement in the air. And uh, you know I think it's a bit of a motivator for for our team. There's no question. I thought uh, the game against uh, Medicine Hat the other night was just electric here in in Regina. Yeah, and talk about, uh, you know, other kids are elevating their game, too. It's one thing, we've talked about this before. I know I talked about this with John, but probably you, too. You got Bedard, you know what he's going to do. All eyes are on him. But then you got guys that can raise their game and get noticed, too. Like a Tanner Howe had a big point night. Uh, 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 Sposal, Suzdalev, those kind of guys. Even your bottom six forwards. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. I, I really felt that, uh, you know, we've, um, we've come a long way in terms of uh, some of our guys. Even it, it started really on our West Coast trip, and I thought Sam Marimba's really started to mm-hmm. turn the corner. Uh, Braxton Whitehead, uh, Zane Rowan, uh, you know, so some other people are chipping in here, and uh, you know, getting Zach Stringer back's been a huge help for us. Uh, his game's an interesting kind of a funky game, if you want to call it that, but you know, he's he's got a great stick. He he blocks a lot of shots. Um, he, he adds some passion to our team, and he's he's a gritty guy. So yeah, we we've had some help from other uh, sources, and it it's uh, it's going to be vital if we're going to you know uh, have a good run here to the to the end of the season. You use the you use the word funky. That's interesting. You could have called when my kid played hockey. I told him it was poetic clunkiness. Like he wasn't the, he wasn't he wasn't the prettiest guy, but the coaches always trusted him and he always got the job that he just didn't do it like Paul Coffey. Yeah, you know, and that you just pretty much described the uh, Zach, uh, you know, most people would, you know, not say that his skating is you know, up to par, but, you know, he, he gets around the ice well enough. But what he really, really has a good sense for is his, he, he's always thinking. He's always in the right spot. And, you know, if you watch him on the penalty kill, his stick is is crazy good. He's, he's always got a stick in the passing lane. He knocks a lot of sticks, uh, pucks down. He blocks a lot of shots. Um, you know, and then when we go to the power play, uh, he's fearless in that front, does a great job, knows exactly what his role is in front of that net. And, uh, you know, we've got some top-end people, like uh, you mentioned, in Suzalev, uh, Stolzel, Howe. Um, our, our power play's, uh, you know, pretty pretty, uh, pretty strong power play. Yeah, no kidding. Does, does Bedard still do things, that even uh, though you see him every day in practice and every game, does he still do things where you're like, what, what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> there probably isn't a day that we go to the rink where Connor doesn't do something that you maybe haven't seen before. Uh, yesterday, for example, uh, he didn't skate. Uh, he's flopping around in his flip flops uh, at the end of a skate, uh, just out there with his with a puck and his uh, and a stick. And he's he's shooting top corner from the bench from the blue line and hitting the net every time. It's going just under the bar, and <laughs> just an example of the skill set that he has. Ken uh, Ken Schneider joining us here. Ken, I mean, uh, what what I'm and I'm not with him every day or or many days to be honest with you. But everything I hear is and, and I'm like, holy, this kid is 17. How is he handling the pressure? What a testament to how he was raised. But just talk about that. How this guy is just handling everything. We talked at the start of this interview about the rock star mentality. He knows everybody's there to see him. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's really um, it's really. Uh, unique to be quite honest with you um connor is 
extremely humble. Um, and, and in all fairness, he's almost embarrassed by all the attention, especially when he's in the dressing room or on the bench with his, with his teammates. Um, he doesn't want to stand out amongst his teammates. He just wants to be part of the team. Um, and, you know, I, I, I commend him, um, Melanie, Tom, and his sister, Madison, you know, just for providing him with that support. Um, it, it, it's tough. I think, you know, not everyone realizes that, you know, he is 17 and he appears to be handling it, and he is. But th- there's a lot of demand on his time. Um, and, you know, so it's up to us as an organization, um, you know, and, and his agents that we protect him a bit just so that he can concentrate on 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 the game of hockey. As a coach, you have your if you had your way, you'd you'd probably want to be in the regular season a Seattle Thunderbirds or a, or Winnipeg Ice or a Boston Bruin type of team where you know what we we got a playoff spot. Let's refine our game. But sometimes I think it's good to fight every day for a playoff spot because when you hit the playoffs, you're ready to go. It's just a, it's just like a regular Monday or a Tuesday. Do you feel that way in some ways? Yeah, I, I would agree with you, you know, as long as you could stay healthy through that process because the games are tough. Uh, but I, I agree completely. Um, if you're not playing for much at the end of the season, it often, you know, can lead to bad habits. Um, you know, I would watch the Winnipeg team. Um, they have a lot of games where they have slow starts, but they can just turn it on whenever mm-hmm. they feel like it because they're, they're so skilled. But you can run into some issues with that come playoff time when, Checking gets tighter. Referees let maybe you get away with a bit more, and uh, then it becomes an issue. But you know, for us, we've been kind of fighting for our lives here um, for quite a while now. So, and and it, it, it appears that that's going to be the case right to the end of the season. I will tell you this: uh, hockey, football, one A, one B for me. The one thing that's always bugged me about the difference between hockey and football. Now, listen, you miss a lot of holdings in football. I get it, but if you hit a quarterback below the waist at the knee area, you're going to get a penalty, whether it's uh, you know July in the CFL or November in the CFL. In hockey, I've never liked that. In October, it's a cross-checking penalty. In in April or May, it's not a cross-checking penalty. That drives me nuts, Ken. Yeah, you know, it, it seems to be, you know, having been an official myself, um, it, it really starts early in the game too, Michael, where if, if a referee doesn't make that call that should be called, then then he, they sort of set the standard for the rest of the game. And then often it, it's, you know, it kind of gets away from, from, uh, from the officials in the sense that now they've kind of put themselves in a position where, and they can't put their hand up. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and the obstruction is, is really heavy. Uh, there's lots of interference. And, um, you know, with someone like Connor, um, he, he's going to make uh, the opponent have to do something in order to stop him. And often it's illegal. That's Ken Schneider, assistant coach of the Regina Pats. We're taking on Brandon tonight. Tomorrow they're here against the Wheat Kings as they continue to battle for a playoff spot. We'll be back with the Senior Hockey Report after our 3.30 news, and we'll also hear from former Major League Baseball player Jacob Turner. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker at 332s for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. Six games in the National Hockey League tonight. Minnesota is in Toronto. Montreal is in Philadelphia. Ottawa is in Carolina. And the Winnipeg Jets 
host the Colorado Avalanche. Two other ones, Kings Islanders, Sabres, and Panthers. American defense alignment Kaishan Tyson has signed with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Senior hockey is very important to each town it's played in, and it's important to us too. Time now for the Senior Hockey Reports. All righty, now time for the Senior Hockey Report here on the Sports Cage, as we do every week. Just belts and bars here this week. Barry is on a Mexican vacation working on his tan. Belts, just the two of us. We're buzzing. Barry is soaking up. I don't know if he can get any tanned-er. Is that a word? But uh, yeah, he'll more be tanned, be, I think. More tanned. He'll be coming back hot here next week. Barry wasn't around for this week's Top 10 show. And man alive, were there changes to the top 10 senior hockey teams in Saskatchewan. 10 was Keniston, 9 was Kindersley, 8 was Belcaris, 7 Wilkie, 6 Wadena, 5 was Redverse, 4 was Langenberg, 3 was Kyle, Two was Ho Winyard and number one, the Macklin Mohawks for the first time. Out of nowhere, Macklin Mohawks from the Sask West, they're moving along in senior D provincials. They're also potentially belts going to eliminate the Kindersley former number one Clippers in league play this Sunday. Macklin up two games to O. And while we talk about Kindersley, they lost out of provincials last night, rare Thursday nighter to Drake, the defending champion. So Kindo could be out, kaput, gone, done, finished by Sunday. Hard to believe. Let's buzz over while you're talking about that. The bracket challenge. How many brackets got destroyed last night with that win? We only had two perfect brackets before last night. Now we're down to one perfect bracket. Shout out Janet Ferguson. I've heard her hubby might be a senior hockey weapon here in the province, but Janet, kudos to you. Shout out Elkridge, Richie Brothers Auctioneers, Roof Mart, and GB Construction for sponsoring our senior bracket challenge. It's been awesome. Yeah, Boz, it's been it's been real good. That is unbelievable that Janet's got a perfect bracket. I don't imagine if she holds that all the way to the end, then that is very well deserved. Crazy. Lots of hockey, like I mentioned, still to play. Quick rundown on senior provincials this weekend in and around Southern, well, I guess all of Saskatchewan. Win Yard hosting Belcaris tonight. The Bronx need a win to stave off elimination in Provincial A. If they do win, Game 3 would be back in Belcaris Saturday night. Odessa and Selvi going to play Saturday. If Odessa wins that one, it's over. If Selvi wins, we got a Game 3 coming up on Sunday as well. Provincial B, quick rundown. Saturday night in Wadena, my hometown, Wilkie, travels into Wadena. Game one of the North Final. That's going to be excellent. And then closer to Regina in southern Saskatchewan, game one Saturday night. Carlisle travels to Grenfell in the Provincial B South Final. Belts, we're liking Carlisle in that one. They got the private jet. They're ready to buzz. They're uh, they're looking really good. Lots of scoots, lots of sticks and gas kicking around there. Yeah, folks, if you got nothing to do this weekend, hop over your local rink. If you're close anywhere, get on over. This hockey's unbelievable. We talked about it before. This is ECHL, AHL quality hockey. Boys are buzzing. They're ready to go go out and support those towns. couple more quick ones. Provincial C, Keniston, Saturday night host Langenberg. Keniston, a former number one, lost game one, 12-3. They got shellac. So Keniston, wow. provincial season on the line. That series will end this weekend, game three Sunday if necessary. 
Also this weekend, Saturday night, Redvers host Team Moose Jaw slash Assiniboia in Provincial C action. The winner of that gets the winner of Langenberg Keniston Game 3 if necessary. Also this weekend in that series. Plenty more to check out. Follow us on Twitter at Monday Nooner. Listen to our podcast for all the details, all the games, and stay up to date on the good old senior hockey game. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. So you heard me earlier, played that Dana Carvey impersonation of Joe Biden. One of the things I saw on Instagram, sitting poolside, did a little surfing on social media, came across this Twitter feed, at the Sudden Wealth, Jacob Turner, former Major League Baseball player, drafted ninth overall back in the day. Uh, with the Detroit Tigers pitcher, joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Jacob, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, so he is in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Now, you had a great thread on what's it like for a young guy to be thrust into the spotlight, all the pressure and the money, man. That that was a real eye-opener to me. We got a young sensation here with the Regina Pats, Connor Bedard, who's supposed to be the next big thing in the NHL. Now, he won't make Major League money to break in, but just talk about, you know, he, he will make a lot of money for a 17-year-old. Just talk about what it's like to be that young and have that much cash so quickly. Yeah, it's certainly a unique experience. I think that's one of the, probably one of the most unique things about professional sports is like I went from an 18 year old with barely enough money to to buy lunch to having a few million dollars. And it's certainly a unique dynamic too, not only from the money aspect, but also from the aspect that like you're going from playing a game that you've always loved in my, in my world, it was baseball too. Like it becomes a business really fast. So, Jacob, who should be on your team? Like, who should you, and, and people can uh, read in depth if they want to get into it, but I just want to whet their appetite here. You got a nice uh, thread here at the Sudden Wealth, but who would you recommend to be on somebody's team in terms of off the field, off the playing surface to help a young guy? Yeah, I think, well, I think away from the rink or away from the field, you know, ultimately having a financial advisor that's really sitting at the center of their financial life, I think is so important. And then around those people, you know, generally you need somebody that's going to help you with the taxes. Taxes are going to be your biggest lifetime expense as an athlete. So a CPA, um, somebody from the legal perspective that can help protect you because now anybody can Google your name and see how much money you've made. Um, and just making sure that you start to build that team of people around you to try to insulate you as much as possible um, because you are a public figure at that point. People can look, uh, like I said, on this uh, Twitter chain here at your uh, feed there, but just just kind of paint for my listeners here verbally. You know, people think millionaire, oh, 1.6 million bucks or whatever. That must all go into his bank account or her bank account. Just talk about how that's uh, a mirage, so to speak. Yeah, well, taxes taxes take a big chunk of it. And for me, you know, between taxes and the agencies, it ended up taking about 50% of the signing bonus when I originally signed. And I actually put that in the thread, like one of the paychecks I got. I think it was $1.6 million, and that was the gross. And then when you actually looked at what ended up in my bank account, it was almost 50% of that. So certainly understanding the tax consequences come into play for an athlete because it can be very shiny to see this this huge number but at the end of the day that huge number is not always what ends up in your bank account yeah so you you said this the best players in a draft don't get paid the most uh the players that create the most leverage get paid the most what do you mean by that 
Well, specifically for the for the Major League Baseball draft, there's a, a huge dynamic between if you're a high school guy, you have a lot of leverage because you could potentially go to college and so on and so forth. So it's not only about how good you are as a player to get a team to want to draft you, but it's creating leverage outside of that. What does your family situation look like? How much do you want the money? How much do you want to go to potentially go to college and not sign? All those things combined together can create leverage where the team is saying, hey, we really like this guy. And on top of that, he's got all these other factors going for him. And it might cost us a little bit more to sign him, but we still want him. Is it about like crafting your own narrative for the team's interested uh, skill? What is it a little from column A, a little from column B? Yeah, you know, I think it I think it really just depends. That's a terrible answer, but that's that's the truth of the matter. You know, there's it's it's the ability to like understand the entire picture. Yeah, interesting. Uh, this is Jacob Turner joining us here uh, on the Western Pizza Hotline, former Major League Baseball player. Um, so, signing bonus. What it like? What what was it like to look at your bank account? It's because I, I think you were guaranteed what five point five million bucks, Jacob. What was it like to look at your bank account? Like you said, one day you couldn't afford lunch, the next day you had it right there. It's certainly unique. I- I wrote, I think I wrote, it changes everything, but it also changes nothing. And what I meant by that was it changes everything, right? Like that's a, a massive amount of money. It was a huge blessing for me and for my family. But I also felt the exact same when I woke up the next day. And, you know, there wasn't anything that like I drastically went out and bought the next day. It was, okay, now it's like time to get to work and it's time to to actually put into action what this team's paying me for. Yeah. So, so just looking back on your Major League Baseball career, um, what was your highlight? Besides, I mean, obviously you get that much money, that's a highlight, but in terms of playing and things like that? Well, I think for any for any player at, at any sport, the highlight is it's hard to beat your, your debut at the professional level, especially at the highest level. So for me, my major league debut, you know, I mean, I can remember that moment like it was yesterday and having my family there and, and just thinking through all the years of work that, not only I had put in, but all the people that were there supporting me had put in, my parents taking me to events, my brothers who I played with growing up, and having that culmination of like, this is my childhood dream to do this. It's hard to even put into words how special that moment is for any athlete. Yeah. Jacob, one more quick question for you. In terms of the rule changes, how intrigued are you to watch this pitch clock? Not only for the batter, but in particular for the pitchers and maybe what kind of strain will be on the pitcher's arms. I'll tell you what, man, as a fan now, I love the pitch clock mm-hmm. because it makes the games go a little bit faster. I am curious to see, I think there's a lot of guys that a lot of the younger players will adapt faster. I do think some of the veteran players, especially some of the relief pitchers that have more of a preset routine, are going to have to really learn to adapt to it because some of these guys have been doing the same routine, same pre-pitch routine for 10 years. And that becomes an inherent part of what they do to compete. So it'll be interesting to see how some of the more veteran guys adapt. And because I'm sure there'll be storylines early in the season when guys, you know, get balls called on, on them or whatever it may be. Yeah. So check this guy out, Jacob Turner at the Sudden Wealth. You'll, uh, we kind of whetted your appetite here on the radio, but this guy goes in depth on what it's like to uh, strike it rich early and then uh, work through all that as a Major League Baseball player. Thanks for your time, Jacob. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. When we come back, it's Farhan Lalji joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline here on the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 
We're loaded with commercial inventory, so we got to keep this show going to stay on time. It's time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Dane Evans traded from the Hamilton Tiger Cats to the BC Lions. Kind of a surprising move. We're joined now by Farhan Lalji of TSN, but I think Farhan, good for the Lions, good for Dane Evans. Yeah, you know, he seemed to really talk about the fact this is this was his preferred destination, and I was a little surprised, right? Because I think we'd, we'd seen some comments about, you know, you're going to get one pissed off, motivated individual weeks ago. And I think we all tied that to him wanting to go to Toronto where everybody expected that he would go and compete with Chad Kelly and then wind up, you know, getting a chance to face Hamilton repeatedly, right? So the fact that um, he's made it pretty clear, like you talking to him today and from everything I heard yesterday, that um, BC was in fact at the top of his list. And this was a trade that was available to the Lions about a month ago. And it was just not a trade they were chasing. Uh, so they, you know, at that time they weren't interested. They were going to wait and uh, make sure that, you know, the asking price came way down, both in terms of what the Ticats received, but also uh, in terms of what any potential renegotiated contract would look like between the club and Dane Evans. So uh, I think it's a sneaky good move just because now you've got legitimate experience and depth in the quarterback room. Um, you know, I'm not suggesting Vernon Adams is going to falter, but as we found out last year, the majority of teams played multiple quarterbacks just because of health, right? I mean, regardless of whether you're in the CFL or NFL, it's a demanding position and you need more than one guy that uh, that can do it. And the fact that he's going to get paid basically a, a Dom Davis type of salary uh, that protects the lines and insulates them a little bit, I think it's a, a good thing for all parties. And the big thing for Dane was a chance to work with Jordan McSimmick. You know, he had talked about how uh, he was really impressed with what Jordan was able to do with Nathan Rourke and feels that he could have a, a similar impact on him. So, you know, just uh, the fact that coaching became that much of a priority for him, I thought was pretty good. And I think he's got a close relationship with Brian Burnham. Mm-hmm. And even though Burnham's not going to be playing, uh, you know, he certainly advocated for the Lions and encouraged that situation as much as possible. Is Burnham a guy that's uh, maybe going to continue in some form or fashion with the organization in an ambassador role? Not really, because he's going to be living in the U.S., right? He's going to yeah. be living in Tulsa, and he's trying to raise a family, and, you know, they've got three foster kids, which they hope eventually can be formally adopted. And, um, yeah, like, I think he's got to kind of make some decisions on what he wants to do life-wise, right? And I, I kind of, my gut tells me at some point football is going to be a part of it again, whether it's in a coaching capacity or what have you. But right now, uh, just having an expanded family immediately, which has been such a priority for him and his wife, I think he just wants to put all of his focus into that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a year he came back to the game. I don't know that that means he's going to come back to British Columbia or anywhere in Canada to live, but uh, I, I I just believe football is going to be in his future in some way, shape, or form. And if if he want if he wants it, I'm sure the Lions would be happy to have him. Farhan Lalji joining us here now. Let me ask you this: He kind of touched on it, but uh, maybe go a little bit into a deeper dive here. Is is the Dane Evans a tr- uh, transaction? Is that a commentary on Dane Evans and Vernon Adams that they're not really true starting quarterbacks, but uh, might be a sum of their parts? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of thought that, quite honestly, Ballsy, and I, I asked Rick Campbell about it yesterday, and I said, you know, is this any way where you're kind of just not sure what you're going to get out of Vernon and, what, you know, whether he can go back to the 2019 Vernon and, you know, and is this kind of an insurance policy that way? And he said, absolutely not. Like, we, we think we got a lot out of him given the circumstances he entered in last year, and they, they feel really confident just with how he's 
conducted himself in the room with the guys when Nathan was there, when Nathan was hurt, and since the season ended in terms of his interactions with Jordan McSimmick. Like, you know, as you and I have talked before, you're not going to get anybody in the league author a Nathan Rourke-type performance next no. year. Anybody. So, you know, so what are the expectations? And they believe they can win with him. This was, again, not a trade they chased. It fell into their lap with every possible advantage, contractually, compensatory, all of it, right? So uh, if they were desperate, they'd probably make this move and chase it a month ago when it first came to them. But I, I, I don't think so. But I think they do want legitimate depth behind it, right? And certainly, you know, there's probably more questions around Dom Davis at number two than there are around Vernon Adams at number one. So, you know, this way they can actually keep all three of those guys on the roster based on what they're paying them. And so I, I just think that overall that they just feel entirely better about their quarterback room now. For me, it's a little awkward because I think these are all late 20s players. And I do think you want like a true young guy that can eventually, you know, take over and be that guy, you know, that, that you can groom down the line. But, you know, none of these guys are old either. So I think if, you know, you've got potentially a, a five-year quarterback solution, somewhere in there, right, in terms of that, how that mix is going to play out. Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy uh, turned the <laughs> NFL world on its head. Well, Mr. Irrelevant Chad Kelly is uh, in Toronto. Uh, you were one of the guys saying, I want to see Chad Kelly get a chance at a starting job. Here it is for him now. That would be something in Toronto, the guy with that kind of charisma to do something there. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, and I, I think the biggest key for Chad Kelly is be where your feet are. Right. And I think that that hasn't always been the case for him if you listen to his commentary, Mm -hmm. because he's totally got one eye on the NFL. So if that actually changes, he certainly has the skill set to thrive in this league. We saw it in a small sample size in the Great Cup. And and that's big because the stakes were big. Right. And and he showed that he wasn't going to get mesmerized by the stakes. But, you know, now he's got an entire season. It's not just a quarter of football. Uh, and he's going to be the face of the franchise. And, you know, they're going to count on his charisma to try to make a dent in a pretty crowded sports marketplace that doesn't necessarily care a lot about the Toronto Argos. So uh, there's a huge opportunity for him. If it goes well, it could turn into a huge opportunity for the organization. But the biggest key in my mind, lock, and you know this, right? Like we've seen guys at a variety of positions, but especially quarterback, come up here and they, they think they're going to do all of this. Mm-hmm. Stay present. Be where your feet are, and if he can do that, because he has thirty, right? He's not a kid. No. If if he can do that, I think he can have a good five to six years in this league. Hey, man, that's a good point. So, at what point should a guy give up his NFL dream of the quarterback spot? Now, I know McLeod Bethel Thompson quoted as saying he's hoping to get an NFL shot. Dude's thirty four. I think it had more to do with being close to his family, not living away with his family while playing football. Uh, this guy's thirty years old, Chad Kelly. At what point do you say, "Listen, it's done. Let me just look here in Canada, make the most I can, and have a successful rest of my career." Before you're 30, in, yeah. in my mind, right? Yeah. Especially at that position. And you're 100% right on McLeod. I think the biggest motivation is he wants to keep playing and not be away from his family. And if, uh, if an NFL thing, you know, came at him where two quarterbacks on a team got hurt and they needed a guy that's had some mileage and want to throw him in uh, and give him an opportunity to be a backup, great, right? Like, and we saw that happen with Josh Johnson and McLeod's had a similar, you know, NFL pedigree that he's been in a number of organizations and he's not a kid. So, it's not out of the question, but it's highly unlikely. And I, and I do think that the last few years when McLeod's been here, that has been the priority, right? It has never been 
looking at, at that next NFL opportunity, he's been present and enjoyed it. And if it wasn't for family considerations, I think he'd still be in the CFL now. So I think if you're Chad Kelly, like all these guys, and you and I have discussed this on the Nathan Rourke front, right? That how much of it is money, how much of it is just, I want to be an NFL guy. And then how much of it is, do I want to play the game? Mm-hmm. Right. And a guy like McLeod has been thankful for getting a chance to play. I watched AJ McCarron yesterday. I watched the last five minutes of the Seattle uh, XFL game against St. Louis. And at the end of the game, AJ McCarron does an interview and he just talks about how thankful he is at the opportunity to play the game. And yeah, being a backup in the NFL is all great, but playing the game is special when that's all you've done your entire life. Right. So for these guys that are up here, it's a great league. You can make a good dollar and yeah, so if you grew up in, you know, in Oklahoma and they may not really know that you're successful, once that gets past your validation point that I want all my homies and all my family and everybody else to, to be able to see it and have everybody tell them how great their son is, once you get past that and focus on the game and you can still be really successful and, and it's a great league, you know, that's when you can be successful. But, well, you know, one of the things with any CFL player, you know, we always talk about the difference in how these guys could or couldn't make it in the NFL. You know, you come to the CFL, and then when you become really successful, you're in your late 20s, and now the NFL, it's too late. Whereas, you know, had you been able to establish that level in your early 20s, that door may still be open. So those guys early on realize I'm tired of the NFL rat race, and then they make a good CFL career. So, you know, mid, I think mid to late 20s, you can make that decision and have a great time here. That's Farhan Lalji, TSN, thanking him for his insight once again. Have yourself a good weekend, my friend. Take care, bud. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, let's get after it. Show's brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. I'm Michael Ball over here. Over there is my buddy Sean Gleisinger. Howdy. McDavid and Dreisaitl. Trevor Harris and Juwan Breskison, if we might use that analogy or comparison. We have got Chase the Ace in a little bit. Chance for you to win. A chance to win Jawan Breskison type of money. I'm referencing Jawan Breskison because he's going to join us here in a second on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can get a hold of us in our text line powered by... I think it's still Capital Ford Lincoln this month. They, they Capital ch- Ford Lincoln, Buick Cadillac... GMC at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, number one Ford dealership in the province. From Brandon, I definitely will still watch the Scotties. It's unfortunate Saskatchewan didn't do so well this year, but I still love curling. Nova Scotia played an absolute hell of a game this afternoon. Definitely still some fantastic curling to enjoy. Brandon, hey, I love curling. I just didn't know that many people cared when Saskatchewan got knocked out. Okay, but I guess if the Riders got knocked out of the playoffs, you're hopefully still watching great CFL football. Okay, let us Let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to our friend Joan Breskison of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? It definitely does. I uh, I'm still getting used to it, but uh, I I think I like the way it sounds. Yeah. So uh, Calgary Stampeder, Toronto Argonaut. Did you ever dream you'd be wearing green and white? I, you know, I ask guys this when they come to town. When they're standing on the visiting sidelines and they hear, bring them out, bring them out, and the fireworks, and everybody's standing in full throat here at Mosaic, unlike any other stadium, do you ever, obviously gets you jacked up, but do you ever think, man, I wonder what it would be like to run out of that tunnel? Trevor Harris said, when I interviewed him, he said, no, I always thought about that. 
I I did have those thoughts, um, but I also did have the uh, luxury of having teammates that I played with in Calgary that ended up in Saskatchewan, and they always said, um, if you want a experience like no other, Saskatchewan is the the team to play for. Mm-hmm. So, Jawan, what do you feel you bring to the table here for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Uh, I mean, from a football standpoint, I feel like I bring size, uh, hands, and you know, just. Uh, ability to to play football and make plays and then um off the field i like to get out in the community and you know i like to uh get to know my teammates because uh, i feel like that kind of brings us uh to more, uh, more together as a team so um like those are the two aspects i think i bring as a as a person in a in the rough riders uniform you bring the right birth certificate born in mississauga ontario so you can be a ratio breaker i guess what they say in sports and i'm going to ask this of tyler o'neill of the st louis cardinals canadian born baseball player he had a great 2021 and in 2022 had injuries and that's the thing that they always say in sports right Jawan, your best ability is availability and that's probably really the the the, the chink in your armor you're going to get hurt in football i don't care who you are but if, like, would you agree with me? If you stay on the field, you can be a difference maker. Hundred percent. I think um, that's always that's been um, you know the knock against me the past couple of years. Uh, nobody goes into a season, um, you know, wanting to get hurt, but it does happen. Some uh, it happens more to others than it it doesn't to some. But um, you know, for me, I just know when I'm on the field and I'm playing, I'm able to contribute, and that's the the goal this season. Yeah. So, what is besides that? Besides the availability, do you have any other personal goals for yourself this year, Juwan? Um, honestly, not really. Um, I, I I don't want this to sound a bad like it sound uh, bad, but I don't have a lot of expectations for myself because I feel like. Um, that just allows me to go out and play as freely as possible. And whatever happens um, is kind of like a cherry on top. So, you know, I just want to come in and I want to contribute as much as possible. What intrigues you about playing with Trevor Harris? Um, just playing against him. Um, had the opportunity to play against him in Grey Cups. Had the opportunity to play against him in regular season. And, you know, just see the way that he just spreads the ball around and he just gives guys the opportunity to... Uh, make plays, and uh, you know I just have heard nothing but great things about him as a as a quarterback and as a person. You're coming here with a bit to prove, a little chip on your shoulder, maybe a little bit. Although you seem like a polite, uh, even keeled young man. I'm not saying you're a jerk or anything, but you any athlete uses a little fuel for their fire, right? So you're coming here with a little chip on your shoulder, a clean slate. And you got an offensive coordinator in Kelly Jeffrey that's kind of the same thing. He's bound, he a Texas guy, bounced around both uh, uh, NCAA at various uh, levels and, of course, uh, in the U Sports with Mount Allison and other places, and in the CFL, too. And was kind of, it's perceived to be about the Riders' fifth or sixth choice for their OC. How do you, how do you feel about playing for a guy that's got something to prove as an offensive coordinator, too? Um, I think that, you know, it kind of just, um, I, I think it's going to be a great uh, thing that we're going to get to experience together because I feel like the organization has a lot to prove. There's players that have a lot to prove. And, you know, him having a lot to prove, I feel like he's not going to, you know, be conservative and he's not going to hold back. So, you know, hopefully that leads to a lot of points uh, on the scoreboard for us. You know, you're uh, 
you you played in Toronto, you played in Calgary. Uh, Calgary uh, fans uh, care about their team, but I almost feel like Stampeder fans get bored because the team was always good, right? And maybe the stadium wasn't the best to go watch a game, although I like McMahon Stadium in terms of the setting and everything like that. Um, and then Toronto, well, that's it is what it is. Now you're coming to a fishbowl. Like, this is it. If you want to experience kind of like an NFL feel, this is it. How, you know, we started about uh, talking about running out of the uh, tunnel, but how much does a fishbowl mentality come in where it matters? How much did that play into you coming here? Um, I honestly thought it was a great opportunity for me to focus on football um, because that's what matters in Regina, um, amongst other things. But um, just to lock in and, and be football focused was something that was big for me. And then, and then also having the opportunity to play with guys like Trevor Harris and um, Keen Schaefer Baker, who was like my little brother. Um, I've known him since he was like 12 years old. Um, so just having those opportunities. And, uh, you know, playing in front of the fans, uh, it was just something that I couldn't pass up. Did you guys play minor football together, you and KSB? We did not. I am older than him, um, so didn't have that opportunity. But I did, you know, we did spend a lot of off-seasons together uh, when we'd be training. Uh, He was in high school at the time, so um, he'd go get picked up and brought to the training facility, and then we would, uh, you know, work on a few things. So, you know, even being able to see the player that he's become has been a, a blessing. Yeah. So uh, who did you look up to when you were becoming a, a receiver and, and wanting to uh, either play CFL or NFL? Was there was there somebody you tried to emulate your game after? Um, it was always the big receivers, but I would say um, uh, the person that stands out the most is uh, Larry Fitzgerald, um, just because uh, he wasn't like the fastest, but, you know, he was sure-handed and, you know, he always found a way to be open and he was reliable. So um, I kind of tried to model my game or try to model my game um, after his and as well as the way he carries himself off the field. He's really professional and I feel like I try and do the same thing as well. Now, I think he had one touchdown last year. If I'm not mistaken, I think I've seen it one of the best touchdowns of the year. Something. You're on the sidelines, you go up to get the ball and keep both feet in bounds. It would have been an NFL catch, not just a CFL catch, but an NFL catch. What's it like to climb the ladder like that and make a highlight reel grab? Does everything stop in slow motion for you? Honestly, believe it or not, it, it does feel that way. And I think a lot of athletes have um, had experiences like that before. You know, when you're just locked in and you're in the zone. Um, if everything feels like it's in slow motion, but you're really, you know, moving fast. Like when I got to the sideline, I didn't know how high I jumped until I saw it on the iPad. I actually like, you know, was was kind of a uh, surprise. Uh, but you know, I look forward to making those kinds of plays in, in a green jersey this year. No, oh, we're looking forward to two uh, number eleven. Is that what you're going to wear? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, that's Larry Dean's number, and I don't have any plans of you know, asking him to you know give me that number or anything. But uh, I I don't know, and uh, whatever number I get, I'm gonna you know uh, wear it with pride. Okay, listen. I think you should think about this. Honest to God, you should think about this. We had Gino Lewis on the show, and Gino didn't end up signing here. You are now in Rider colors. I cannot remember a great. 
number 87. We've had a great 81 with Elgard. We've had a great 80 with Don Narcisse. We've had a great 18 with Jeff Fairholm. I mean, the list goes on and on. We have not had a great 87. What about Joan Breskison? Number 87. Make it. I could just see the jerseys flying off the shelf, man. I'm serious. Consider 87. I'll, I'll consider it for sure, but uh, it definitely didn't uh, come across my mind. Yeah, no, I'm Zinger. Put put your Zinger eighty seven. Jawan Breskison eighty seven. Yeah, we had Yo Murphy yeah. wear eighty seven. Jason French in the early to mid two thousands. Yeah, eighty yeah. seven's your number, man. Come can you on, imagine the it, Can you imagine the call, Harris? Play action pass down the middle. Eighty seven Breskison touchdown Riders, and there we go. Jerseys seven eighty seven could be your nickname yeah. with Trevor. Seven eighty-seven. That's it. Take off, baby. Seven eighty-seven. There you go. Let's go. Cool. Hey, uh, Jawan. Just lastly, before we let you go, he's like these losers and their numbers. Get out of here. Uh, talk about the importance of your mom in your life. Oh wow, my mom. I mean, I don't know. Uh, my I don't know. My mom is, uh, you know, my rock. She. Uh, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without her. Uh, she's starting to kind of. Uh, get a reputation kind of how uh wayne gretzky's dad was um <laughs> i would just see him after <laughs> toronto Bay police games and people were around him trying to you know get him to sign autographs and stuff my mom's starting to turn into that but now my mom is a fan of anything that i do and uh just so happened that you know she loves cfl football and um you know i we grew up going to games and, and watching games uh so I know it's just kind of something that is cool for her to be a part of. And, um, you know, the fans love her. And as long as, you know, they treat her with respect, respect, um, I love my mom, you know, being an ambassador for the league and, and me. All right, so you can follow this guy at Jay Breskison eleven. Also, uh, two-time Grey Cup champ, by the way, bringing that, and that's important, man. You're bringing some uh, championship swag into the locker room. Is uh, you know, is that one of the reasons that they told you they added you to this team? They want to change the culture here, improve the culture. Um, I think that was a part, but also I have a history of you know being in uh, Calgary with Ryan Carson. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knows me as a player and as a person. And I think, you know, building that culture and, um, is was important for him and, and, uh, they wanted to put an emphasis on that. And I think they've done a, a, a great job of, you know, kind of bringing in, uh, different guys that have been in the great cup and have won it, um, to kind of like, you know, help, uh, pave that kind of, uh, foundation. Well, that's great to have you here, man. I can't wait to see you on the field. Pick whatever number you want, but we'd love, we already have it, 787, Harris Tabreskison. I love it. Anyway, take care, man. See you at training camp, okay? Thank you. Sounds good. I look forward to it. That's Jawan Breskison of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. When we come back, we'll get a couple of your texts, and then we're going to chase the ace for some Jawan Breskison kind of money with the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation presented by Harvard and Viterra. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Warning call against Ricard Raquel, second power play for Edmondson. McDavid looking to tie it right, right here. Short side, he does! Unreal placement over the right shoulder of Jari. That's a career high 45 for Connor McDavid. 
McDavid. Connor McDavid, one for five in his career in penalty shots. He'll challenge Casey to Smith. Leisurely in. Snap to home. Throws to Smith. Connor McDavid, two goals, two assists last night in a 7-2 Oilers win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I don't even know what to say anymore. It's Connor McDavid's award. Sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and fan dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. <laughs> uh, I forget who it was. Some bozo on Twitter. And there are a lot of bozos on Twitter. Believe me, it's a sewer pipe. Uh, he said... Not quite as outlandish as Connor Bedard's underwhelming, but that David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins is the MVP of the league and not Connor McDavid. Are you nuts? Whom said this? I don't know. Some goofball. I, I, it's not even worth going back to check it out. What a, what a joke. Yeah, I'm an Oiler fan, but it's Connor McDavid's rink, and we're all just renting space there, okay? You're renting ice time. You're all there for a public skate, and he's just whipping around. Man, he made Crosby and the Penguins look pathetic last night. Uh, our text line is powered by Zinger. Capital Ford Lincoln, I believe this Do month. it with your deep voice. Come on Capital now. Capital Ford Lincoln. Capital Ford Lincoln. <laughs> How's that one? Is that a phone call? Capital Ford Lincoln. Let's see if we can take this on the fly. We got one minute. We got one minute for a phone call. All right, we got it. Who? Let's do this. it. Who's this? Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Who's this? Oh, I know that voice. That's John. John, the Habs fan. fan. What do you got there, John? Well, Ballsy, I agree with you. And uh, those idiots in Boston, they're they're like Leaf fans. They're delusional. Come on, say it right, John. Boston. Boston. Yeah, he's not even close to McDavid. Not even close. I, I forgot. How bad are you? Uh, yeah, no, he's not even as good as Dreisaitl. I, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. Patrick Kane is going to waive his no trade here in the next day. Rangers, Oilers, Stars, the front runners. Can you imagine Patrick Kane on the Oilers top six? You know, Ballsy, I'd rather them get uh, Eric Carlson. Yeah, I think if they're going to get a D-man, though, it'll be that, is it Gabrikov from Columbus or uh, Chikrin from Arizona? By the way... Or you could get... uh you could take Joel Edmondson from my hub. Yeah, you could do that too. Although he does kind of he's 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 battle tested, but he can be injury prone too. Uh, by the way, he's like the, Stanley Cup. Yeah, I know he's won a Stanley Cup for sure. They've scratched Chickering forever too. Like the guy's just collecting a check, reading programs up in the up in the, <laughs> the rafters there. Hey, John, we got to roll. We're tight on time. We'll talk to you later. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. Appreciate it, buddy. No problem. problem. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, 4.30 News. We're also going to go to Willow Bunch to hear from Colin Lovequist and uh, Chase the Ace. Time to give away some cash. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, we're getting set for this week's edition of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace Draw, proudly presented by Viterra in moments. Getting ready for it. Six games in the National Hockey League tonight. Minnesota is in Toronto. Montreal is in Philadelphia. Ottawa is in Carolina. And the Winnipeg Jets host the Colorado Avalanche. Two other games, Kings, Islanders, Sabres, and Panthers. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This 
is the Sportsgate CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Well, it seems like the Edmonton football team hasn't won on home turf at Commonwealth Stadium since, well, <laughs> Tom Wilkinson was a rookie. I recently caught up with their president, Victor Kui, who is guaranteed a win. Week one versus our Rough Riders. Hey, back to Chris for a second. Did you butt heads over the uh, whole guaranteed win night to start the year against our Saskatchewan Rough Riders? <laughs> you know, um, no, not at all. Not at all. Like, it, he understands that we're a little bit cheeky in what we do, too. And we're like, you know what? Let's lean into this. It's a fact. What is the organization's goal? Like, what? It has to be this or bust. Like, is it playoffs? It's dramatic turnaround on the field. What? What is your philosophy, you, Chris Jones, as an organization this year, 2023, for the Edmonton football team? I'd say it's a critical year for you guys. you got to start winning some games there. Yeah, but you know what? Every single team starts off the year and says, let's make it to playoffs. There's not a single team that starts off and goes, I don't want to yeah. make it to playoffs, and they're planned, right? Two, go- two organizations get onto a field and, and both want to win, and our business is somebody loses, somebody wins. It's not a participation medal that, that we get. So to me, the measure is not success. The measure is, are we putting the right processes in place to lead to success? I can't control the success. On or off the field, whatever it is, win, losses, nobody can control that. But what you can control is the inputs into achieving that. Do we have great leaders? Do we have a strong culture? Do we have an organization that the fans, that we've created a fan base that believe in what we're doing and want to be a part of what we're doing? All of those are inputs into the process that which leads, hopefully, to success. But our measurement, if we get all of that right, if we treat the fans right, they have a great experience. We treat our players right. They have a great experience. We treat the coaches, everybody in our ecosystem. And you still lose. I can live with that. I can live with that, honestly, because that's the business that we signed up for, and losing and winning is part of the game. But if you lose and you did not have the right process in place to give you the right chance of success, I cannot live with that, and nor should our organization live with it. Well, I hope you win, but not week one. We want to take that guaranteed win night. (laughs) Thanks for your time, Victor. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, and it's Michael Ball here in studio. I, I hope I got this. It sounds like it's very hollow yeah, here. Mike's not working. So down and then up. Is that it? Check, check. Nope, Mike's not working. Hello, there it is, there it is, there it is. Okay, sorry. My uh, program director on my left side here, Abby White, you're an idiot. Turn it up. Turn up the microphone, Ballsy. You've only been doing this for 27 years. Okay, it's time for the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation's Chase the Ace. John's joining me. Hi, John. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Abby. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Now, he called me Abby, but I'm Ballsy. I did say Abby. I'm sorry, Ballsy. Jeez, <laughs> okay. I was just we're, looking at Abby. And we're now. off to a great start, aren't we? This is awesome. This is this feels like... Is this, it a Friday? You know what this feels like? This feel. I came back from holidays. It feels like after that game when Masoli got hurt and then everything went south. We're kind of clunking along here. Let's get things turned around We'll get back on it. We're some money away. That's right. We're giving some money away. Today, somebody will automatically win uh, 
$2,337. That's right. And then what's the grand prize? If they pull that ace of spades, which is the Braden Lennius card. That's right. Grand prize is looking at over $43,000. And so winnings today total would be $45,000. So just to reset for people, where does the money go that gets raised by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace Lottery? Absolutely. So it comes obviously back to the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation in complete support of amateur football and um, youth mental health and some mm-hmm. of our programs. And that's our Win With Wellness player presentations where they're going out into schools mm-hmm. all across Saskatchewan, basically just leveling and giving uh, curriculum-aligned mental health awareness um, teachings. By the way, those new glasses? You know what? These ones are kind of new. They look good, man. I, I haven't seen you in a that. while. Yeah, uh, by the way, we should give a plug out to one of our sponsors, too, Viterra. Absolutely. No, our good friends at Viterra make this whole thing possible. We, uh, we wouldn't be here without them. And uh, they're ultimately the reason why we're able to give some money away today. Okay, so let's uh, let's get things going here. Let's pick a winner and try to get them on the phone if we can. Let's do it. You can follow online too, streaming live. And we got one, shockingly, from Saskatchewan. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from Moose Jaw, Darren Boyko. Darren Boyko. Okay, so we'll get that written down. Darren Boyko. And we'll give that to our uh, friend, Abby White, and he will run it down to Sean Kleisinger. It's a process here. feels like an assembly line. And we will call him. It's the relay. The way we're clunking around, probably drop it on the floor three times. Hey, when I was away, I did see some of the emails, though. We got a big hockey game coming up here. Tell us about that. We do. We got a huge hockey game coming up. And, uh, again, it always sounds funny to hear Mm -hmm. hockey and Rough Riders in the the same sentence. But March 18th, the Riders are coming to Saskatoon. The Rough Rider Foundation is coming to Saskatoon. Um, we're doing a charity hockey game on support of the Rough Rider Foundation, which will also support kids sport um, to make sure that kids are going to be able to play hockey and football um, growing up because they're both great games, right? And- so in 2013, how old were you? This this time this time in 2013, how old were you, John? I was in grade 8, so that put me 13 years and what's, old. And what school did you go to? St. Gabriel. Okay, so this is a true story. I'm, I'm taking myself to hockey practice right around this time, and I'm taking them to the Mahan Arena. And it's the end of public skate. And who do I see? Grey Cup year 2013. <laughs> Corey Sheets learning how to skate for the, for, to play for the rider hockey team and didn't know how to stop. He used the Mahan Arena boards as his <laughs> how to stop. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, well, it's great. I'm, I'm learning how to skate. It's fine. I said, well, not crashing into the boards. So you're telling me we got to call Corey Sheets then for this thing? Well, I'm telling you, you should. Maybe he learns how to. He, I think he's in Vegas now. So you got uh, Bag on one team, yep. Lothar on the other team. Can you give us some of the other names that are playing? Can give you a couple. So we got uh, Picton, Mitch Picton is yep. playing. Braden Lennius is coming out. And you know what? I can't give any more than that because oh, okay. it's, it's a little bit of an unveil thing oh, coming up okay. in the next couple okay. weeks. Where, uh, but there's going to be, like I said, some current players that are coming out. Nice. There's going to be some past alumni coming out. Um, there's also going to be some past NHL guys coming out. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's in the Saskatoon. That's in Saskatoon, yeah. Awesome. The Merlis Belcher Place Arena yeah. there. I've never been to that arena. I'd love to go check it out. Somebody asked me if I played hockey. Of course. I got banned from hockey. I, I had a career. John, laugh if you will. I was going to the NHL, but they banned me from my backhanded slap shot. They're like, you can't. Too dangerous. Too dangerous. Shoot it harder than Al McKenna. So, no. Yeah, no, I loved hockey, but I, I did love football. But it's funny you say that because usually in these parts, it's it, that's 1A and 1B, and mm-hmm. then uh, uh, followed maybe 1C by, well, you got curling in there, but baseball is another big sport. Mm-hmm. So, it's cool. It's awesome. We're happy. We're super excited to be able to kind of bring both those, like you said, 1A, 1B. And I know Lothar and Bag kind of, it's, it's interesting because both of those guys. We're big hockey guys. They pick football late. Yeah. They pick football late. I think 
I think Bag's favorite player was uh, Wayne Gretzky, if I'm not mistaken, and Lothar. I don't know if he's a Flames fan, but he in the off season he lives by the Saddle Dome, so he was going to the games with yeah. his girlfriend. So, and, and by the way, I got he uh, he and Mitch Pickton had tweeted out they needed extra ice time probably to get ready for this game, and I put it out on Twitter, and they got more things than they could ever get. So I said, next contract, they negotiate, get me to do it. I can get the, maybe they could supersize my fries. Apparently. Well, geez, good to know. <laughs> hey, they've got practice. It's going to be a good show March 18th. Okay, so let's head out. What was our guy's name again, sorry? Uh, Darren Boyko. Darren Boyko. Let's go on the phone line. Say hi to Darren in Moosja. How are you today, Darren? I'm very good, thank you. And you? I'm do- Well, I'm doing well. I'm not quite as good. I just got back from a warm vacation, so I got nothing to complain about. But you, okay. my friend, have won $2,337 automatically. Isn't that awesome? Well, that is awesome. I'm going on a warm vacation, so that'll be put to good use. Ooh, where are you going, if you don't mind me asking? Going to Cuba on Tuesday. Oh, nice. That'll buy a couple <laughs> yeah. of catamaran, some rum. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's how, this, here's how this works, man. We've got okay. uh, you 2337 bucks, regardless of how this goes. But okay. now, between the numbers 1 and 52, you pick a number, and if that number pops up the Ace of Spades, the Braden Lennius card, you will win the grand prize on top of the 2337 bucks, over $43,000 in this Saskatchewan. Rough Rider Foundation, uh, Foundation, pardon me, Chase the Ace, presented by Viterra. Now, these are the numbers you cannot pick between 1 and 52, okay? okay. You can't pick the number 10, okay. 17, 18, 21, 33, or 39. Anything else between 1 and 52 uh, but those numbers? Well, let's go with 45. 45. Any reason why you picked 45? No, <laughs> just just off the top of my head. My old my old Regina Ram teammate, who was a Rough Rider and Argo, Randy Shrochensky was number forty five. And wow, there you go. And Randy Shrochensky is a televangelist in Toronto, making way more money than he ever made preaching the word of God. Crazy man, hmm. crazy. Oh, so here we him. go. Good. Yeah, good for him, and maybe good for you, uh, my friend, if we can uh, see if you get the Ace of Spades. We are opening the card, and the card is... It's an ace, but it's an ace of diamonds. Oh, ace of diamonds. It was close. It was close. But here's the good news, man. Besides the fact you won $2,337, starting at 5 o'clock, you can buy more tickets because you can be a repeat winner. So congratulations. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Uh, yes. What what package did you buy? Did you buy just one ticket? Did you buy a bunch of tickets? Um, I bought the $100 package. Oh, nice. nice. Awesome. Did you share with anybody or just on your own? Well, I'll have to share with my wife, I'm assuming, when she <laughs> finds out. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, uh, thanks for participating in this lottery, helping out. It's a win-win. Help out yourself and help well, out the community. Welcome. Thank you very right. much. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, John. Well, uh, congratulations to him. That's an awesome thing. And like I said again, they can buy starting at 5 o'clock, right? That's right. Starting at 5 o'clock, tickets are back open for another week. Uh, tickets you can get them 1 for 10, 10 for 25, 50 for 50, or like Darren bought, $100 for 200 tickets. Yeah, congratulations to Darren in Moose Jaw. When we come back, we'll hear from a Canadian baseball player hoping to make some waves this year. Center fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, Tyler O'Neill. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
the kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Out to center, at the track, at the wall, he's done it again. Goodbye. And carry your guy. And it's off the end of the bat and the base hit into center. Two hit night, Tyler O'Neill drives in Arenado. 9-5 Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill. One of the uh, great Canadian ball players in Major League Baseball, and he is bidding for the center field spot in the outfield for the St. Louis Cardinals. 2021, a great year. Smashed 34 dingers. 2022, injury problems, a shoulder, a hamstring problem. And we're going to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline right now because he's taking time out of his schedule to talk to us from spring training. How's spring training going so far, Tyler? Hey, pretty good, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show. Spring's going good. Weather's uh, weather's hot. Sun's shining, so I can't complain. Hey, uh, you have the guns, man. I'm uh, like, man. Do you have pipes? How big are your biceps, dude? Um, uh, I haven't I haven't measured recently, but uh, I definitely have not been skipping arm day. <laughs> um, uh, I've been having I've been having great workouts this entire off season. You know, it's just been it's been going great, and body feels good. Okay, That's important. Before we go further. What's your nickname? Do you got a cool nickname? Um, doesn't really matter to me. I've been called a lot of a lot of stuff in my career, but uh, you can call me Tio if you want, or Tyler, O'Neill, whatever, whatever works. Tio. So is that what they call you in the in the when you when you slug a home run over left center field and you come to the dugout? What do they What do they call you? What do they say to you? Yeah, it's a bunch of knocks on the head, so I hardly remember any of those. But, uh, yeah, T.O.'s good. <laughs> hey, T.O., you talk about uh, not missing any uh, arm days, but you've also done a great job getting ready for uh, improving your leg strength with maybe a shot at center field. Tell me about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a very productive offseason for me. Um, you know, my wife and I, we moved to St. Louis this year. We were able to use the facilities over at Bush Stadium uh, the entire time. And uh, the training game just gone a whole different level. Um, you know, workouts are so much more dynamic than they used to be, longer than they used to be, more intense than they used to be. Um, you know, doubling up on leg days, you know, I'm not skipping anything. It's just been, it's been fantastic. You know, my running program has been at an accelerated level. Um, my body feels great. So I'm, I'm just itching to get that opportunity to get out there and, and get playing. You know, it's been a long wait for us. Food from the postseason last year and uh, just a matter of time before we get going again. Uh, Tyler, so in terms of the running, what does that look like? Because you have to cover more ground as a center fielder instead of one of those corner fielders. So tell me about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, I played a little bit of center field in the minor leagues coming up, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, actually. But, uh, you know, they they saw me in left field for my first couple of years in the big leagues, and, you know, I excelled over there. Um, and, yeah, it, it's definitely a different look, you know, just getting familiar with the parks and, and the gaps. Um, you know, gaps are much different than the corners. And, uh, yeah, so they transitioned me over there in the latter months of last season, and uh, it's like, got out there it's like holy crap man it's like there's so much there's so much ground to cover out here compared to the corners um but you know i'm i'm understanding what i'm looking at now and just uh much more prepared coming into this season uh for that and, um you know it, it was it was good at the end of last year you know i really started to get a feel for it like i really started to enjoy center field again um once i got some games under me and uh you know i had a good time out there so uh this offseason i spent a lot of a lot of time you know just preparing myself getting my legs under me um, getting my cardio cardio level levels higher, um, and again doubling up on leg day. 
Is is center field uh, a lot more about angles, you know, that type of thing? Well, the ball comes off a little more true in center field, so there's a lot more backspin plays that come at you, you know, in the corners, more topspin, um, more, more, more slices, you know, depends on the hitter. Uh, you know, right-handed hitter, let's say I'm playing left field, right-handed hitter is going to have a lot more topspin coming that way. Very rarely do you see a low-line drive that's backspinning. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of slicing fly balls from left-handed hitters, you know, going to the corner, those kind of tally back to you. So it's kind of just understanding the way to play those. But in center field, the ball flies much more true, a um, lot more backspin, a lot more carry. Uh, it's almost like you have to play behind it a little bit more is kind of what I've found so far. So, um, you know, it's been going good here in camp, though. He's just been getting some reads the last few days, and uh, games are starting up pretty quick. So it's about, about time to get in the game shape. Hey, we talked about working out. What's it like to toss around 400 pounds as a bench press? you got to be the strongest bench press on the team, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not at 400 pounds right now. That's a, that's a good boost here for me, though. Um, I'm probably more around 300, three plates kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm doing a lot of other stuff that keeps my shoulder healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can bench press all day, but if my shoulder's not feeling good to throw, what good is it? So um, we're doing lots of stuff in the weight room to – kind of counteract that stuff you know i had a bit of a shoulder issue last mm-hmm. year so uh more more on top of that this year and uh you know, i just love my training regimen right now yeah that that seems to be the thing right tyler nobody's questioning your ability they say the best thing though in any sport is availability that would be a key for you right 2021 great year for tyler o'neill last year hampered by injuries what did last year teach you both physically and mentally yeah, right. I think 2021, I really kind of came onto the scene and, and showed the league what I can do and kind of who I am. Um, in 2022, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, we had a shortened spring training. We had the lockout go on, um, went through some arbitration process. Uh, just a lot, a lot on my mind going through the first couple months of the season. And, um, you know, I just wasn't in the right spot mentally. I wasn't getting my body ready the right way. Um, but, you know, I am very thankful for the 2022 season just on what it's taught me. Uh, understanding myself better, understanding the league better. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just very excited to implement all these things that I've learned in 2023 and just, uh, you know, under, just getting my body prepared differently um, for 160, 160 game season is um, it's a, it's a different beast for sure. So uh, it's something I'm ready to tackle. Yeah, no kidding. That's a long season, man, for sure. Hey, Tyler, how excited are you for the World Baseball Classic? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be amazing, you know, finally work, work Canada across my chest again. Uh, you know, there's, there's nothing like international play. Uh, it's something I wanted to do, you know, growing up as a kid. It's uh, it's always been on my mind to play for Canada, you know, whether it's baseball or hockey or, you know, hopefully whatever I whatever else I came out of there playing. Um, but, you know, inter- playing international stage is, is, is so loud, you know, playing, play, playing teams like the USA down in Miami last time in 2017 it was so loud. Playing the Dominican you know, 45,000 Dominicans screaming in the stadium. I've never heard anything like it. Um, it's just a different kind of energy out there. And, you know, playing for your country, is, it's just, it's different. You know, there's nothing to replicate. Um, I'm, I'm just so excited to be a part of it. I'm so excited for the opportunity. I'm grateful for the opportunity. You think it works to your advantage, Tyler O'Neill, that you're coming off kind of a disappointing year health-wise, but you're eager to show you're ready to go, and you, you get away from the humdrum of, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Cactus or Grapefruit League games, and you get to play some meaningful baseball before the actual season begins. Yeah, it'll be great, you know. Um, I've just got to make sure that I'm built up and ramped up for those nine-inning intense games. Um, 
But, you know, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm so, I'm so excited. You know, the last WBC was 2017, mm-hmm. and that was six years ago. A lot, a lot has happened since then. You know, we had COVID. We had a lockout. We had a, we've had a, I've had my debut. I've had my success start. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot has happened since then. So just, uh, again, you know, just so grateful for the opportunity, and I can't wait to work Canada across the chest. Hey, we've been uh, joking about your uh, workout regimen, but you come by it honestly, right? Wasn't your dad a bodybuilder, if I'm correct? Yes, he was. He was a bodybuilder in the 70s. I think he was Mr. Canada in 75, actually. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from my dad and both my parents, actually. But, uh, you know, my dad got me in the weight room soon soon as I could, you know, 13, 14, 15 kind of range. And, uh, you know, he taught me, uh, taught me structure. He taught me dieting. Uh, and really got me off on the right foot um, to propel me into, into, you know, converting that into uh, athletic success. And, uh, you know, I've been able to translate that and, of course, modify as I've learned and learned over the couple of years, uh, excuse me, over the years that I've been in the big leagues and in the minor leagues even. Um, you know, that's, that's all this game is, just evolving with the time, understanding and learning about yourself. Uh, Tyler, why did you choose baseball over maybe following your dad into bodybuilding or a hockey or something like that coming out of Canada? Well, I, was, I was better at baseball than anything else, so <laughs> I thought it was just good to go all in. <laughs> That's the pretty best. simple for me. Pretty simple, eh? Well, we wish you the best of luck. I guess my last question for you is, what if you had to pick one goal this year, besides the team goal of winning the World Series, which everybody will say, for Tyler O'Neill of the St. Louis Cardinals, what would be your one goal this year? Yeah, I, I just want to stay healthy. You know, I'm, I've put in so much, so much sweat. And, you know, this year it's it's been a grind, but I just I just feel like I'm in such a good spot physically and mentally, for that matter. Um, you know, I, I got my confidence back now, and I just feel like I'm ready to ready to play and ready to show again what I, what I'm about in this league, and uh, you know, help these guys win some ball games. So if I can stay healthy for 160 games, you know, I think I'm sitting pretty. Well, we're cheering for you in uh, in Saskatchewan today on February the 24th, where it's minus 30 outside. We're thinking baseball. We're cheering for Tyler O'Neill. Uh, you seem like a polite, well-spoken man. We wish you the best of luck this year. That's awesome, Michael. Thanks for the support, and uh, I appreciate it. Good talking to you. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Friday show brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. We always get our NHL information hot and fast from Mike Kelly of the NHL Network. Mike, welcome to the show once again. So the Leafs make a move, and now the Boston Bruins get going here in this <laughs> e- in this East Arms race. Make uh, make sense of that deal with the Capitals for us. Looks pretty good for the Bruins. Sure does. Um, I mean, they got two guys that are, are going to be great for them. I have no doubt. Uh, start with Dmitry Orlov. He's probably the puck-moving defenseman in the kind of upper echelon of that that doesn't get talked about really at all mm-hmm. um, when we talk about great puck moving D not the fastest guy in the world but he's a real smooth skater uh, and he can beat guys one-on-one you know up the ice so he's a shifty guy and the way Boston plays under Jim Montgomery one of the biggest changes there this season is how much more active the defense is in those areas uh, and in the offensive zone he's going to fit right into that on already a loaded blue line um, and, and you know he can throw some bone crushing hits as well so 
he's a great piece. Um, Garnet Hathaway, good bottom of the lineup, uh, penalty kill guy, you know, physical wins battles, dump a puck in, he'll go chase it down, win a battle, that kind of guy. So, uh, that adds a little bit of depth for them. And I, I couldn't poke holes in this team before. And, yeah. uh, you know, now I, I don't even know that I would try. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. No kidding. They might be their only worst enemy. That's it. Uh, in, uh, in search of their first cup since 2011, the Leafs deal with O'Reilly, uh, just your thoughts on that. You know, if Toronto played in the West, you feel like, Hey, I don't like the Leafs, but do you feel bad for the Leafs? Because if they played in the West, man, they could uh, have a chance to get to the Stanley cup, but uh, I don't know, coming out of the East now. Well, uh, I was looking at playoff probabilities from the numbers that we generate uh, at, at SportLogic yesterday, and we've got Toronto, Tampa, 97% from the first round. So I think we can book that. So you got to take on Tampa Bay, yeah. then probably Boston. Um, you will not face tougher competition the rest of the way. So if you get through that, uh, it's not a slam dunk, obviously, but your your biggest enemies are behind you. Um, it, it's so hard, but you know what? I... I I like the fact that they're being aggressive, right? And you need to go for it now. Um, you've got your star players kind of in their primes in their mid twenties, and Ryan O'Reilly looked a fit's been terrific. Uh, he's not going to score a hat trick every night, but um, the options Sheldon Keith has as a coach now are—they uh, have to excite him tremendously. He, he starts with putting uh, O'Reilly and, T- and Tavares on the wing, O'Reilly at center on that second line. You can get into a playoff situation where maybe you want more balance. Maybe your, your top two lines are sawing each other off. You want to win that third line battle. You slide O'Reilly down. Um, great options to have. Great options in the faceoff circle. Noah Chari, like this guy wasn't a throw-in. He's a really effective right. player. Uh, center ice, face-offs, uh, kind of defensively um, in a lot of ways too. So those are great ads for them. My question with them now is, and they're not done, so you can't evaluate their, their moves yet, but – I, I believe to get through Tampa, get through Boston, they need to add a top four defenseman. Um, if, you know, a lot of coaches and what you'll do when you go into a playoff series, you're not circling Matthews, you're not circling Marner and saying, how do we shut these guys down? Because you don't. You're circling, who can we push out of games? Who can we exploit, take advantage of? And right now, I'm circling Justin Hall, Timothy Lilligren, Rasmus Sandin. Let's go after these guys big time. Um, and we saw Boston do that in a recent game when they played against Toronto, and I think Sandy and Lilligren were out there for three goals against. Yeah. So to me, they need another another top four D if they really want to you know, be serious about competing with those teams. We've joked about this before. We know how Leafs and Oilers fans fight, but they're kind of eerily similar. The Oilers need to go for it, too. You just described they got two guys, two of the top five players in the world, in their prime. McDavid's the best player in the world by a country mile, in my opinion. So what do you think the Oilers do? Carlson? Chikrin, Kane? I think they should get Chikrin. Um, Carlson, the contract is so big. Uh, look, he's, he's, he's gonna, he should win the Norris Trophy this year. That's, so we're talking about, like, let's, let's really think about this. We're talking about could you add the Norris Trophy winner at the trade deadline? That's, that's ludicrous. When does that happen, right? <laughs> no kidding, yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah. So it, it, it would be great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I, I look at Chikrin, and again, I see a guy who's a great puck mover, getting it out, getting it in, getting it up to those fast, dynamic forwards. Uh, he's a physical guy. He's got an excellent defensive stick. And I think you slide him behind Darnell Nurse. There's a two-pronged effect. Um, you know, he, he upgrades you in your second-line lefty. He also can take away a bit of all the, the weight that Nurse carries on that team. Um, 
and free him up a little bit more to, to play to his strengths. So, you know, I, I don't know what the asking price is. I've heard rumored, you know, it's two firsts and then a prospect or, or a, role, uh, a position player, whatever. I, like someone put this to me very well, and I think it's very accurate. You know, what's the price to get a guy like that? Well, it's big. What's the price not to? And and taking away again prime years from McDavid and Drysaddle, where you have them at their best, and you have a guy like that locked up for a couple more years. So, I don't know. I'm not a GM. There's probably a good reason for that. But if I was, I'd probably be making that move. The Winnipeg Jets, their bottom six, they can't seem to hit water from a boat. Do you think uh, Winnipeg uh, does something with their forward unit? Where do you see the Jets going? Because they're obviously in the mix, too, big time. Yeah, I I agree with you. The top six, I think you can put that up against just about anybody. And uh, the bottom six, you need some help there. Um, So that's where I'd be looking. Um, You know, I I think about a player like... uh, like Nick Bukestad's having a really good year in Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, big guy, can play center, can play wing, penalty kill, net front. Uh, add a little bit of scoring. I mean, he's putting up points this year. Uh, someone like that could help. It's not a big, splashy move. Um, and, and maybe they could should make a big, splashy move. Um, I mean, Timo Myers, a guy who obviously would be a ridiculous acquisition. Um, you know, Barabanov in San Jose can, can give you some offense. You put him maybe on a third line. There's guys like that that I think could be effective for them. And you, you said it, right? The West is wide open. Um, Colorado's pushing, but uh, if you're Winnipeg, if you're Dallas, uh, if you're L.A., uh, those are teams that I think, you know, Vegas is always going to be there. But, um, you know, try to make some moves this year because you could get yourself to a conference final. Yeah, what about Calgary? Calgary's kind of around the periphery. They've been good. They haven't been good. Markstrom hasn't been good early in games. What do you see them doing, if anything, here? They wanted to get a scoring forward, I know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be giving up too much in terms of assets if I were them. I mean, they, they to me, personify the word average this year uh, in just about every way. I'm shy. I got this one so wrong. I thought at the start mm-hmm. of the year they'd come in and, and be what they were last year, maybe even a little better. Um despite what they lost because of what they gained. And it just hasn't worked. It hasn't clicked. Um, they continue to just, you know, fire pucks from everywhere. They're a huge shot volume team. They don't get uh, above average rate of quality. Uh, so they just kind of score at an average rate. They're 15th in the league in goals. They got the second worst save percentage in the league in February. Uh, so they can't find saves. They're actually playing pretty well defensively uh, recently, but they just, they can't get saves. So, I don't know why you give up too much in the way of assets if you're Calgary uh, this year. Even if you do get in, um, I don't see that team going on any kind of run. You know, in football, you need a quarterback. In in hockey, you need a goalie. You do need a goalie. Do the Canucks move on from Thatcher Demko? I know you've talked about the L.A. Kings needing a goalie. Do you see something happening there, or do the Canucks stand pat with their goaltending? I doubt it happens. Um, and if they were looking to do that, you know, probably more around the draft or the summer. Mm-hmm. Um but if I'm L.A., I'm calling Patrick Alvin every day yeah. and saying, you know, what do you need? What does it take? What do you need? What does it take? You know, and I did talk about this on the NHL Network, and E.J. Raddick, who I was on with, you know, brought up a good point. He's like, well, Phoenix Copley's played pretty well. Like, do they really need to give up a bunch to get a goalie? And you know, my argument to that would be, you know what, he's been okay. And okay goaltending won't do you a whole heck of a lot probably in the playoffs. The reason I think L.A. should do it or, or try to do it is I think so highly of them as a team that I think if they got a guy like that, who's a franchise caliber goalie and he's got to be healthy, we, we know that. Right. But mm-hmm. um, if all things are equal, I think they could win the West. 
I think they could get to a cup final, at the very least a conference final. Um, that's, you know, a couple playoff rounds worth of home games. So it's, it's good business. Uh, and they've got a really deep prospect pool. They could afford to give some guys up. Um, they've got too many right shot defensemen. Mm. So they're going to have to do something there anyways. Um, but wait a minute, but wait, but, but wait, wait, wait a minute, Mike. I thought Oiler fans told me that Todd, that, that Todd McClellan wasn't a good coach. Well, uh, we're looking at an L.A. Kings team that allows the fewest inter-slot shots a game of anyone in the league. Uh, when you're that good defensively, I think you're probably getting some pretty decent coaching. Yeah, I tell you what, that that was sarcasm, as you know. But the, man, he's done a great he's done a great job in Los Angeles. If he was doing this yeah. in uh, Montreal or Toronto, people would be talking. Yeah, well, you know what, I remember the Edmonton days, and it was a totally different kind of team, too, right? So maybe this team fits, you know, the way he coaches a little better. I don't know, maybe. You know, people evolve and they learn, right? Like if, if you asked my first girlfriend what I was like in a relationship, she'd probably say this guy's an idiot. <laughs> you know, you have a few more since then, and hopefully my wife thinks I'm all right. But uh, you, you grow and you learn as well. So there's probably some element of that. But they might. That's the thing that I always struggle with, right? Is like people yeah. will say, "Oh, this player, you know, this team had him, and now he's over here and he's scoring 25, 30 goals. Like, why did you trade him? Why? Maybe he never would have done that if he stayed there, right? No, good point. So, yeah, it, it's not apples to apples. Hey, uh, do a do a little Doctor Phil for me to wrap up in hockey terms. Uh, what's the equivalent of back checking in a relationship? Is it cleaning the bathrooms? Is it vacuuming? Doing the dishes? What is it? Oh, I, I could tell you a lot about backpedaling. Very familiar <laughs> with that. Um, back checking? Yeah, I think it's just day to day consistent effort. You know, trying to not get caught up ice and uh, leading to too many odd uh, odd man situations. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Mike. Take care, buddy. <laughs> All right. See ya. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Hellbuck. I think he's going to put the jacket on. I guess he got the gym. Bringing a drive deep to center field. Hicks on the run. Out the truck. Out the wide. That ball looked like it went over the fence. Swinging a drive. Deep left field. Get up, ball. Get out of here. And gone. Vladdy Guerrero. You can step on my hand, but it's not going to hold me back. To right center and deep, and it is not coming back. Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with the Athletics. Caitlin McGrath covering Major League Baseball, but more specifically the Blue Jays spring training. Is this your favorite time of year? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always nice to get out of the winter weather up in Toronto. Not as bad as Saskatchewan, but it still gets pretty cold. Uh, so, yeah, it's, of course, always nice to be down here in the sun and getting to watch a little bit of baseball action. I was in the Toronto airport yesterday for 10 hours because of snow and freezing rain, so you should be happy to know you've dodged that weather down there. Yeah, it's outstanding. I I like baseball early because of the weather, like you said, and late because of uh, all the implications. Uh, As far as the Jays' offseason goes, is there a move or two that you like more than others? Uh, Yeah, you know, I think that all the moves kind of made sense together as a whole. Uh, I guess the one thing that stood out is that run prevention was kind of the focus, getting better defensively, you know, improving 
pitching. So I think what they did with the outfield maybe stands out to me, bringing in a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer, who's, you know, just been an elite center fielder for, you know, his entire career uh, with the Rays, bringing him over. And then Dalton Varsho um, as the starting left fielder. He's a really athletic guy, you know, hits the ball hard. Uh, he he hits left-handed, which is something the Blue Jays needed, and, and he looks great in the outfield as well. At Caitlin McGrath, you can follow her on Twitter. She's from The Athletic. Uh, I was reading an article that you had there about Eric Swanson from the Mariners finding out he'd been traded to the Jays and how ironic it was that he got the call. Tell my listeners that story. Yeah, well, it was obviously kind of early November when he got the call that he was traded but he just happened to be kind of on a hunting trip with some of his family members so he's kind of in the middle of nowhere Montana and when he finally like drove out to get cell reception that he could finally receive the call from the Seattle GM he just happened to be about five miles uh, away from the Canadian border Uh, and so yeah maybe that's just a little sign of where he was going yeah what do the Jays like about him as far as you know yeah, I mean, I think that they just needed another arm in their bullpen that could get some strikeouts, that could get some swing and miss. And he's got a great weapon in his splitter pitch, which is, um, you know, a, a very effective pitch for him. Uh, people that watch the Blue Jays will know Kevin Gosman also has a very effective splitter pitch. And so having that element in their bullpen is a different look. Not many guys throw the splitter at this point. So it's, it's kind of throw hitters off balance. And then he's just got really great stuff. He gets a lot of swing and miss. He was a great reliever last year for the, the Mariners, had a lot of success, and the Blue Jays are hoping he obviously carries that over this year. That's Caitlin McGrath joining us from The Athletic, covering Major League Baseball and the Jays. After our news and Pat chat, we'll resume the conversation with Caitlin and Victor Quee of the Elks before the show's over. Nelson Holmes, the sponsor of the show here on the Sports Cage, and the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. It's 5.32 inside the sports cage with your sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Six games in the National Hockey League tonight. Minnesota is in Toronto to take on those Maple Leafs. Marial is in Philadelphia. Ottawa is in Carolina. And the Winnipeg Jets host the Colorado Avalanche. Two other games, Kings Islanders, Sabres, and Panthers. And American defense alignment Kaishan Tyson has signed a contract with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Pat Chat is brought to you by our friends at the Canadian Brew House. Lots going on over there. They've got a great menu. Check it out at cbh.com. And you can go in there and watch all the great sports. Like the Scotties are on right now in the playoff round. The NHL heating up down the backstretch here. The NBA firing up after the All-Star break. You can even go in and watch some XFL if you want. Yeah, you could be that guy to watch the XFL. All of it down at the Canadian Brew House. The Regina Pats embark on a home-and-home series with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Tonight, they're in Brandon, a game you can catch right here on 620 CKRM. And then tomorrow night, they're home to the Brandon Wheat Kings. I had a chance to catch up with 
Ken Schneider, their outstanding assistant coach. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, there was a lot of talk leading up to the trade deadline with the Pats uh, move Bedard. John said all along, no, we're not moving him. It's now, it's we're in rock star mode here now. It's like a, a, a rock uh, show going from town to town or, you know, we're in a country station here. So Garth Brooks going from town to town. What's it like for the boys to play in front of sold out barns the rest of the way? Yeah, I, it's it's an incredible feeling, even for the coaching staff to you know walk into all these buildings and you know you can feel the hum and the excitement in the air and uh, you know I think it's a bit of a motivator for for our team. There's no question. I thought uh, the game against uh, Medicine Hat the other night was just electric here in in Regina. Yeah, and talk about uh, you know other kids are elevating their game too. It's one thing we've talked about this before. I know I talked about this with John, but probably you too. You got Bedard. You know what he's going to do. All eyes are on him. But then you got guys that can raise their game and get noticed too. Like a Tanner Howe had a big point night. Uh, uh, Sposal, Suzdalev, those kind of guys. Even your bottom six forwards. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. I I've really felt that uh, you know we've um, we've come a long way in terms of uh, some of our guys. Even it, it started really on our West Coast trip, and I thought Sam Marimba's really started to mm-hmm. turn the corner. Uh, Braxton Whitehead, uh, Zane Rowan, uh, you know, so some other people are chipping in here, and uh, you know, getting Zach Stringer back's been a huge help for us. Uh, his game's an interesting kind of a funky game, if you want to call it that. But you know he's he's got a great stick. He he blocks a lot of shots. Um, he he adds some passion to our team, and he's he's a gritty guy. So yeah, we we've had some help from other uh, sources, and it it's uh, it's going to be vital if we're going to you know uh, have a good run here to the to the end of the season. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio six twenty CKRM. As my old buddy Perry and I used to say, the show's cooking with gas. It is on fire. There aren't enough fire trucks to put this show out. Brought to you by Nelson Homes, applying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. We'll try to squeeze a text in or two coming up here uh, before the show's done. Brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, Buick. No, Capital Ford Lincoln, the corner of Rochdale and Pat. Uh, Rochdale and Pasco, pardon me, number one Ford dealership in the province. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, here's something that's cool. It's not cool. My Padres lost in Cactus uh, League play, losing to Seattle by a count of 3-2. to two. Never like when the Padres lose, even when it doesn't count. But I will tell you this. Uh, we got the, the new rules for the pitch clock. The uh, Mariners-Padres spring training opener in 2022, three hours and 28 minutes. Today? Two hours and 29 minutes. Dude, they shaved almost a whole hour off the game. That is outstanding. That is outstanding. That's what baseball needs. I don't care if all the pitchers' arms fall off. Kick them to the third baseline and bring somebody else in. It's about time, time, time. Anyway, we're going to continue our talk on the other side on the Western Pizza Hotline here with Caitlin McGrath, who's been waiting patiently from Dunedin, Florida with the Jays. Caitlin, a handicap the AL East for me. Where do you see the Jays settling in here if you looked into your crystal ball? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think you look at the Yankees and the Jays as the two teams that stand out in the division, and I think a lot of people are picking the Yankees. I understand. I think they're pitching while they've had some injuries and maybe there's some question marks there now. I mean, they've 
do got a great pitching staff. They obviously raced out to a hugely last year in the division. So they're a talented team. Um, but, you know, I think the Blue Jays have improved their team as well. And so I think it's actually going to be quite close between the Yankees and the Blue Jays to see who wins that division this year. That's interesting. Caitlin McGrath joining us here from The Athletic. Uh, in terms of other teams, what are you looking for uh, around the American League in terms of teams that could turn some heads? Astros, obviously, in the mix, uh, teams like that. Yeah, I mean, the Astros are always a team that you got to watch. Um, they're obviously a very talented team, and you know they've lost some key pieces, Justin Verlander, but they're, they're so deep in terms of pitching that, it, you know, not to say it won't matter, but I think they have enough depth there that they can cover for it. I think I'm always interested in looking at what the Angels do because they are a team that has, you know, two of the best players on the planet right now, but they somewhat inexplicably can't sort of put it all together in a season. So uh, they're always a team that is interesting to watch a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think that. And But I do think the AL East is kind of probably going to be the most interesting division again in the American League just because – there's a lot of good teams in there. There's a lot of competitive teams. We have like a team like the Orioles who a couple of years ago were not competitive and then they really burst onto the scene last year and did give the Blue Jays a tough time playing them. So um, I think the AL East is definitely the one to watch. Caitlin, in the NL West, the Padres are a mid to small market team, but they're spending like they're the biggest boy on the block. Uh, what do you make of what's going on in uh, San Diego? It seems like they found a money tree somewhere there. Yeah, I mean, it's good, right? Teams should be spending money. Fans want to see their teams spend money because they want to put a good product on the field. And the NL West has been a tough division. The uh, Dodgers have been dominating that division for a long time. You have the Giants there that have been a good team um, over the last decade or so. And the Padres want to compete. They've got a good team. They've got a lot of good young players. They got better this offseason. And they're they're making a push because the Dodgers didn't do much this offseason. Obviously, they're still a really, really good team. They're a talented team. But, yeah, maybe this is the year that NL West is winnable for a team like the Padres if they kind of put it all together. All right, uh, Caitlin, um, which of the rule changes are you most intrigued by? Probably the pitch clock. I just think it's, it's so overarching over this the whole game it, because it affects pitchers, but it also affects hitters, and it also affects catchers, and it's also going to affect the base running so it really kind of hangs over the entire game, even though it's the pitch clock. So you kind of think about it more as pitchers, but it's going to impact the entire game. And I think it's probably one of the most drastic rule changes or changes to the game that we've seen in in, in a long time. Um, and so I'm I'm most interested to see that they've been using it a little bit, like in practices here at the Blue Jays facility, and it's it's actually kind of really interesting to watch the you know the pitchers looking at the clock making sure they have enough time. It's it's a whole new element to the game. Where is the clock? Like in football, you have the you have the game clock, but you have the play clock, either uh, 20 seconds in the CFL, 40 in the NFL. Where is their uh, clock? Yeah, I think there's basically, I mean, here in the sort of practice field, they have one that's like the pitcher can see, so like near the home plate, like so they're, what they're looking forward, they can see it, but there's also going to be like one in the outfield so that the hitter can see it because they both have to be paying attention to the clock. Yeah, it's a good point. That's a really good point. I, I like the rule change, but I'm very interested to see how it affects pitcher, uh, pitchers' arms. You know what I mean? We hear about Tommy John and the stress that's already on their arms. Now they got to speed it up. Yeah, no, and that's definitely something they're going to have to work through, especially the guys that throw really, really hard, and it takes a toll on your body to throw 100 miles an hour, and you need to take a breath and stuff, so... I think that it is going to be an adjustment, but these are 
athletes or professional athletes yeah. are used to making that adjustment. And the good thing is that they are implementing it all throughout spring training. So these guys are going to have, you know, a month and a bit during spring training games when obviously the score doesn't matter as much and they can just get their reps in to practice. So that's a good thing. They'll probably learn what works for their body, what doesn't work for their body, how, getting used to the rhythm um, in, a, in a sort of low-pressure environment. Uh, lastly, the, the base size, uh, does it look weird? Do you, do you think it's going to make much of a difference? I haven't gotten too up close and, uh, it's, it's bigger. It's obviously, it's noticeably bigger. Um, I'm sure it'll make somewhat of a difference. Maybe not. Yeah. I think it'll just encourage more base running, um, because it's going to be a little bigger and guys are going to be more aggressive, but there's other elements of the game that I think are going to contribute to, the more aggressive base running and all that kind of stuff. Like there's going to be pickoff limits and the pitcher's going to be more aware of that too. So yeah, the bases look bigger. Um, I think it's one of those things where it's like the first time you see it, like, Oh yeah, that does look a lot bigger. And then you immediately get used to it and you don't even notice anymore. Yeah. I'm interested. Like you won't see Manny Machado move from third base now into right field. The shifts are done. That should be an interesting move too. That should uh, spice things up. Yeah. Yeah. And that is another thing that again, is impacting both sides of the game right it's you know the, the left-handed hitters maybe get a little bit of a breather now and you're not going to have you're not going to see that wall of infielders um facing you and it's different for the defense but but also teams are always looking for an edge and so even though there's going to be a shift ban and they're going to be strict on it i think you're still going to see teams get creative even with placing their outfield or their infielders sorry this is a uh, caitlin mcgrath joining us from the athletic covering the toronto blue jays thanks for your time enjoy the warm weather and spring training once again thank you so much this day in sports history brought to you by capital ford lincoln on the corner of rochdale and pasqua february 24th 1987 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scores point number 36,000 on route to 38,387. LeBron James, of course, now holds the all-time mark, just passing the captain on February 7th. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. He can get on top of the cover. First year out out of Oregon. Early movement here. Beats that line. They're going to look down the field to Mitchell. Cornelius drops it in down to the 30, to the 20, to the 10. And he'll take it home for a touchdown. Oh, boy. 77 yards. All right, here's one of the good figures in the CFL. Victor Kui, president of the Edmonton Elks, back for his second stint on the sports cage. You're different than the first stint because you've got more experience under your belt. What did uh, what did the on-the-job training teach you, Victor Kui? Well, I might have more experience, but I've sure learned that I'm a lot dumber than I thought I was a year ago because I realized even more how little I know. It's been a great year. Um we got a lot of work to do, you know. It definitely isn't fun when we, our performance on the field puts us last in the league. But outside of the field, we had a lot of positive things, a lot of improvements, and we're going to really continue to, to double down on that. What was an eye-opener for you? Give me one example. I, I won't use the word dumb because I, I know you're, you're saying that, uh, you know, a little self, uh, self-deprivating. You're a, you're a smart guy. You know what you want to do. But what's one of the eye-opening things for you? Uh, no, I mean... Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I, I, I don't say it out of false humility. What, what I mean is that I know I've, I've got my strengths and I'm talented and I've got experience in, in, in sports, but the leadership and the other presidents in this league 
these guys are friggin' rock stars. Like, I mean, people that love our league, love the business, know it really, really well. And there's so much for me to, to learn from them. And that part is where I definitely do feel dumb and, but thankful that I have this opportunity to learn. Um, biggest surprise I would say is that I think across the league and across the teams is just how different our world of sports is after COVID. Because if you remember, at this time last year when we spoke, we were filled with optimism. The, um, the strike, the player strike didn't happen. And we were like, oh, everything will return back to normal. That's what everybody was saying. Back to normal, back to normal. Back to normal for us means, you know, full stadiums, fans coming out, enjoying the games, ticket sales, sponsorship. But that didn't happen. We didn't go back to normal. We found that people chose, instead of going to 10 games, they decided to go to three games, and they spent three weeks out at the cabin. Or they took, instead of a one-week vacation in Vegas, they took three weeks in Vegas. And people started to spend their disposable income in a very different way. That was a big surprise, I think, for all of us. And it's going to be a big a big learning of how do we figure out what this new world is post-COVID. Well, and you're trying to do it the right way. You, you gave some uh, tickets to uh, younger uh, uh, fans, you know, prospective younger fans last year, you know, getting them into the stadium. I thought that was great. I've been calling on that for a while. Of course, there had to be tickets purchased to get those. And now you got a nice uh, affordable family pack. Tell me about that. Well, that that's the thing. We are unique and very fortunate in that we've got 56,000 seats that we need to fill. So we have high flexibility to create very valuable family packages. Um, you know, and, and everyone's facing the same pressures, inflation, pet looming recession, uh, more, you know, tighter with their wallets. So as a community owned team, what do we do to make sure that our sport and our games continue to be affordable for a young family. You know, uh, Victor, back in the day, I won't use the old name, but uh, the Edmonton football team and the Edmonton hockey team, the Oilers ran neck and neck. Gretzky and Messier hung around with Moon and Brian Kelly and those guys. I thought it was cool that McDavid picked the Elks to win the Super Bowl. That was kind of that was kind of a neat little uh, plug for you guys. A- any type of a situation where you can work with the Oilers and, and draw on some of their successes right now? Because let's be honest, the Edmonton and surrounding area caught up on McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Oilers fever right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we've got the best player in the world in your city, that that's massive for us. Um, I think we're always exploring opportunities, and we did work a lot closer, I'd say, if we talk historically. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. but we're talking decades already ago, you know, and it's really about what are we doing in the next decades, in the future. And the one thing that is quite different in the DNA of the Edmonton Football Club, of the Elks, is that we are not a corporation um, or privately owned. We are community owned. And we're a registered not-for-profit organization. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not trying to be sustainable or achieve profitability, but it does mean in our decision-making, we put community first. How do we spend and give back to the community? How do we give back to local businesses? How do we work with municipalities and let them enjoy a pro football club? So 
our mandate, I would say, and our DNA is a little bit different than other organizations because of that. Yeah, for sure. Victor Quig joining us here, president of the Edmonton Elks. You take over the team, okay, and you have uh, grandiose visions uh, off the field, and you're a, a good, a jolt of energy that I said, a much-needed jolt of energy along with Dolman in BC. But I've been through the Chris Jones thing here covering this football team. You strip it down, it's not so great in terms of on the field, wins and losses in season one. Season two, you start to see a turnaround, which you're hoping for this year and then season three things take off um did the left hand totally know what the right hand was doing and, and the reason i ask this is perceptions everything facts are negotiable so looking from the outside it's like victor quee's over here and he's really promoting the business side and come on watch but you know people want to see a winner and chris jones kind of treated the first season like it was an extended training camp like he did in saskatchewan were you were you on the same page 100 percent hundred percent. And how we viewed it is that we both sat down. We said, look, what we've been doing is not working. So what do we change? And the mandate that I gave the coach, I'm like, look, I'm going to support you. You need to change a team and get us a winning team. Do whatever changes you need to do, regardless of how many transactions. Now, when I said that, I had no idea we were going to do 70-plus transactions. <laughs> <in the season. laughs> no, I'm like, do what, do what you need to do. I said, but... This is where I want to be in 2023. Give us a team of stability. Give me some key players on a multi-year contract that we can invest in, in our organization, and make them a part of the community. Give me that stability. And he says, that is what we're going to do. And I think we're on track. You know, you've seen we've signed mm-hmm. um, uh, a ton of, uh, of veterans coming back on multi-year contracts. You know, in a league that is dominated by players that want a one-year contract, he has successfully got players to say, yeah, I want to make Edmonton in my home, at least for a couple of years, right? And that is a, a big, big change already. Yeah. So, Victor, uh, the the Eskimos were there for a long time. The switch was made. I'm sure you had a very... Um very supportive fan base for the old name. How is the new brand, you know, now that it's got some time to settle in the market, how are you feeling about the new brand, the Elks? Well, I love the Eskimo name. I love what we've done. I love our history. And I think we have to continue to be proud of everything that we have. There's, we didn't, there, were, there wasn't anything wrong with our brand of what we were doing in terms of how it was interacting with the fan base. We moved into a new world where it made sense for us to change our name. And we took a very, very brave step as an organization and a difficult step to make that name change, as many other teams in the world were doing. Um, and, and I believe that that was right. Now, um, when you have a sport that your connection to it is passion and emotion, it's understandable that people get upset. And me too. You know, I, I, I have a deep connection to that, mm-hmm. to, to the previous name. Um, so we have to be patient with that. And I can only hope that we continue to serve our fans with them in mind first, both on delivering a quality product on the field and a quality experience in the stadium and a great fan experience in the off season. And if we continue to focus on doing that and making them part of this community owned team, I think those fans will come back and they'll see the hard work that we're doing. And I hope that we earn their trust and earn their, you know, their spend again. 
Hey, back to Chris for a second. Did you and Jonesy's butt heads over the uh, whole guaranteed win night to start the year against our Saskatchewan Rough Riders? <laughs> you know, um, no, not at all. Not at all. Like, it, he understands that we're a little bit cheeky in what we do, too. And we're like, you know what? Let's lean into this. It's a fact. Yeah, it is a fact. And uh, lastly, so what is what is the organization's goal? Like, what it has to be this or bust? Like, is it playoffs? It's dramatic turnaround on the field. What what is your philosophy, you Chris Jones, as an organization this year, twenty twenty three, for the Edmonton football team? I'd say it's a critical year for you guys. You got to start winning some games there. Yeah, but you know what? Every single team starts off the year and says, "Let's make it the playoffs." There's not a single team that starts off and goes, I don't want to yeah. make it to playoffs in their plan, right? Two, go- two organizations get onto a field and, and both want to win. And our business is somebody loses, somebody wins. It's not a participation medal that, that we get. So to me, the measure is not success. The measure is, are we putting the right processes in place to lead to success? I can't control the success on or off the field, whatever it is, win, losses, Nobody can control that. But what you can control is the inputs into achieving that. Do we have great leaders? Do we have a strong culture? Do we have an organization that the fans, that we've created a fan base that believe in what we're doing and want to be a part of what we're doing? All of those are inputs into the process that which leads, hopefully, to success. But our measurement, if we get all of that right, If we treat the fans right, they have a great experience. We treat our players right. They have a great experience. We treat the coaches, everybody in our ecosystem. And you still lose. I can live with that. I can live with that, honestly, because that's the business that we signed up for, and losing and winning is part of the game. But if you lose and you did not have the right process in place to give you the right chance of success, I cannot live with that, and nor should our organization live with it. Well, I hope you win, but not week one. We want to take that guaranteed win (laughs) night. Thanks for your time, Victor. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. Great show, Victor Quee, among a bunch of guests. You can check it out in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a Google review and tell all your friends. We're back on Monday with Bill Shea from The Athletic talking XFL, USFL. Uh, Julio Caravada talking about Nathan Rourke. And will he get a fair shot in Jacksonville that re-signed C.J. Beathard today? Uh, We're also going to hear from Ben Hebert teeing up the... Briar in London, Ontario, and John Paddock as the Pats have a weekend set with the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings. You can catch the first game right here, 635 pregame show coming up. By the way, just want to give a shout out to Murray McCormick, the great Murray McCormick, stepping away from the leader post after 38 years. He's headed for a beach in Mexico and then will join us when he comes back after his two week rest for retirement. <laughs> That'll do for the sports game just Friday for Nelson Holmes. Talk to you on Monday. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.